So last week, we talked about that one thing that's missing. It's kind of obvious in our lives, like whenever we go deep down, we can tell in our heart or our mind that there's something that's off. There's something that is missing. But we talked about last week that that is not the way that God intends. That's, that's not what God intends for us at all. He doesn't want anything to be missing. That's what sin does to us, but instead he makes us whole. He offers us a life full of meaning and purpose and a life that is abundant. And so often it feels tempting to go back to that old life that we have. But Paul said last week that we need to stay awake and pay attention in how we live our lives, making most of our time because the days are evil. Instead of going back to the old life, instead of going back and doing those things, instead we must live differently from the world. God created us to be made new. He recreated us. And so therefore, our lives should look different. As followers of Jesus, we just said a minute ago, we live in joy and worship and gratitude and humility. And then, this is a key part for this message tonight, we serve and we submit to one another in love. That's how it ended last time. Serving one another in the fear of Christ because we know that we're all on equal ground. The gospel the good news of what Jesus did for us, it changes us. It changes us on the inside. And then that should be reflected on the outside by the way that we, um, by the way that we talk, by the things that we do. It's an expectation. And so tonight, Paul, he's going to take that step, another step forward and show how whenever we truly believe the good news of Jesus, how it impacts our daily life and even the most intimate relationships that we have. So, if you have your Bible, we can turn to chapter 5. Um, we're going to be starting in verse 22. This is what it says. Paul, he says, Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, because the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the Savior of the body. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives are to submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, to make her holy, cleansing her with a washing of water by the word. He did this to present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or anything like that, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands are to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hates his own flesh, but provides and cares for it just as Christ does for the church, since we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This mystery is profound, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. To sum up, each of you is to love his wife as himself, and the wife is to respect her husband. So this right here, this is one of the most detailed passages in the Bible on uh, marriage and what a healthy relationship should look like. And you might be thinking, like, what does this have to do with me? Like, Pastor Matt, did you understand? Like, I'm in eighth grade. Like, I'm not married. Um, I mean, literally none of you are married or are probably even on the path to getting married. So what does he even have to know? Notice how it said the man will leave and become one with his wife. See, yeah, that's, that's what it's saying there. No, we don't do that. We go to the Bible. Um, so, yes. So, you might be thinking, what does this have to do with me? Because I am not married. Well, one day you will be, hopefully, one day you will be married. And so 
this is going to help you understand what to expect or even what to look forward to. Um, and this is not really a marriage or dating message, as you'll find out as we get to the end. Um, but it lo- does lay out what you should look for and expect whenever you're looking for that right Christian relationship. And honestly, like you're thinking, like, I'm not married, but maybe I'm going to start dating soon. Dating is probably not the best idea unless you have the intentions of getting married soon after, or if that's the end goal. Like dating is not just a game, and it's not just something you do for fun. Dating is something that you should do with the having a mind of marriage. So that's why we're not shying away from what Paul is talking about with husbands and wives, because that's what relationships are all pointing towards in the first place. So the first question we have is, how are relationships are supposed to work under God's rule? Like whenever God becomes king of our hearts, whenever we enter his kingdom, how should relationships look whenever that happens? The Paul or the word, not the Paul, that does not make sense. The word that Paul uses are submit in love. He says that wives are to submit to their husbands the same way that we submit to Jesus. And husbands are supposed to love their wives the same way that Jesus love the church. And so this basic idea for wives, um, it, um, the, the basic idea for the wives was that they were not to look for ways in the home to be ruling or controlling or dominating in the home. So we're going to explain what that means. Instead, wives are supposed to acknowledge the God-given role assigned to husbands and then to respect them as leaders of the homes. And now that means that like wives are not just supposed to follow every single thing. Like if the husband is, is abusive or the husband is dangerous or he's leading her to sin, you're not supposed to follow her in the net. But this is just assigning roles on who is the head of the house. Um, and before you get mad, just wait. Because this is a pretty normal thing to ask of a woman in the first century. Like this was just par for the course of what was happening in the first century that Paul was writing to. But what Paul asked of the husbands was so counterculture to the core of what it meant to be a man or a husband in that Roman context. Because you gotta remember, Paul, he was writing in the Rome, he was in the middle of the Roman Empire, the church he was writing to Ephesus. They were a key city in the Roman Empire. And so we have to understand what was it like back then? What was the, what did they understand back then? Back then, it was expected of the man to be domineering, to be aggressive, to be assertive in the household. Like, basically, it was his way or the highway. And that, Paul, he's saying, that is not how it should be. A man who has been changed, who has been transformed, who was dead but now is alive, should not treat their wife the way that the culture does. Instead, it is to look different. So Christian husbands are no longer to look at the bad ways that maybe their fathers or their grandfathers treated their wives. Instead, they're to look to Jesus on what it truly means to be a leader of the house. And the example that Jesus leaves for husbands to follow is sacrifice. Husbands are to love their wives by giving themselves up for her. And they are to love their wives the same way that they love themselves. Now, this does not mean that the husband is literally to lay down his life for her. Like, not every husband is just going to die for their wife. But it does mean that the husband must deny himself of time and resources and self-gratification to express love for his wife. And honestly, like, what does this look like? It looks like the husband giving the wife a a reason to want to submit to him. Giving her a reason to want to do what he says. It looks like love. It looks like submission. And what does this look like in the end? The, the relationship you have left 
is a relationship where both sides are trying to outdo one another in love and respect. And that is the only kind of relationship that lasts for the long term. And that is the only kind of relationship that is healthy and God-honoring is a relationship where both sides of the relationship are trying to outdo each other in love and in respect. Think about it. If one side is trying to love and submit and trying to serve the other, but the other side is being selfish, there's like everything wants done for them. They just want everything to be comforted for them. Uh, they don't contribute it's all about them. That relationship, I promise you, it won't last. The other person is just going to get tired. The other person is going to get exhausted. And honestly, if I get both sides like that, if both sides are selfish, like I, I wanted you to do this for me. I wanted you to do that for me. That relationship is not going to last either. It's just going to end in fighting. But think about a relationship where both sides are the, their only goal it's just to love the other person. It's just to serve the other person. It's to try to outdo the other person and showing honor and showing respect. That is a relationship that it will last, that is the kind of relationship that will flourish. That is the only way to have a lasting relationship. It is to, con- to completely out- try to outdo one another in showing love. So the second question that we have is, what does any of this have to do with Jesus? Like Paul, he talks about marriage, and then he talks about Jesus. Then he talks about marriage again, then he talks about Jesus. And they said basically to sum up, this is all about marriage and stuff. So what does this have to do with Jesus? He says in verse 25 and 27, he says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her with the washing of water by the word. He did this to present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or anything like that, but holy and blameless. The example that Jesus left us was an example of sacrifice. The reason that Jesus sacrificed himself for us, the Bible says, was to make us holy. Uh, the, one of the, another church word or word that you're going to hear a lot, um, it was to sanctify us. Sanctification or to sanctify, it literally just means to be holy or to be set apart. It means that we are different from the world, especially from the world that doesn't know Jesus. That's what it means to be holy. It means God is setting us apart, that we are to be different. We are supposed to be other than the darkness and the sin and the corruption that's going on in the world. So he says this is what God is making us. He sacrificed to make us holy and blameless. And so sanctification, which is that process of becoming holy, or phrase that we use all the time, that process of becoming more like Jesus, it's just that. It's a process and Paul, he uses language here that um, tells us that it's already happened, but we're also not yet. You heard me say that a few weeks ago, that already but not yet. That means when Jesus saved us, that whenever we gave our lives to him, that he says that you are holy, you are blameless. Like that is now your identity. That is now who you are. That is now how God sees you whenever you are in Jesus. But it also means not yet. It means that we're not completely holy. We're not completely blameless. And that's why it's a process of becoming more like Jesus. That means, and that happens, or that will happen whenever we're fully united with him at the end of time. And then Paul, he says something kind of confusing here. He says that you are cleansed by the water, uh, by the word. So we are made holy or we're cleansed by the water. 
And that does not necessarily mean baptism. That does not mean that you have to be baptized in order to be cleansed from your sins. A lot of people take that out of context and say, see, this is why you have to be baptized. And if you don't get baptized, then you're never going to get to heaven. That's not what Paul is saying there. I mean, baptism is important. If you have not, the baptisms are coming up, I think, even this Sunday. Um, It's important to show your faith. But that is not necessary for your sins to be completely clean. We are washed by the water, and it happens on the inside. It usually is, Paul is referring that to the Holy Spirit, what he's doing for us. Jesus himself said in John chapter 3, whenever he was speaking about what he was going to do, he says, truly I tell you, unless someone is born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So Paul, he's saying, or Jesus, he's saying that in order to enter his kingdom, in order to be saved, in order to be made new, we need to be washed and we need to be cleansed. And Paul, he, he explains what that means more in Titus Chapter 3, says, Jesus, he saved us, not by works of righteousness that we have done, but according to his mercy, through the washing of regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit. He poured out his spirit on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that having been justified by grace, we may become heirs with the hope of eternal life. So what is Paul saying? He says he saved us, not by our works, not because we were good, but by his mercy alone. He did this through the washing of regeneration in the renewal of the Holy Spirit. And so Paul, he's talking about the internal cleansing and the internal renewal. Don't worry, I'm not going to say the inward part anymore. The internal cleansing and the internal reward. We cannot get our act together enough to cleanse ourselves on the outside, but it happens on the inside. First, and Paul, he's not talking about a one-time event. Like Paul, he's not saying like you are cleansed and then you're just good for the rest of your life. Like that's what some people believe, like once saved, always saved. Um, It's kind of that line of thinking, like you said yes to Jesus, now you're cleansed, now you're holy, and now you can go and do whatever you want to do with the rest of your life. You can go do all the bad things again. No, that's not what Paul's saying at all. It's not just a one-time event. When you say yes to Jesus, he um, automatically, he sees you as holy and blameless. But then it's that process of regeneration, that process of renewal. And it's done by God inside, not us, but we still have a role to play. So how do we get on that process of renewal? How do we continue and partner with God in that process of renewal to become holy, to become blameless? If God did it for us, and he is the one that does it inside of us, how are we going to play a part in that? We play a part, he says, we are washed by water by the word. The word that Paul is talking about there, he's talking about the Bible. The Bible plays a huge part and a huge role in your process of sanctification, in your process of becoming holy, the process of becoming like Jesus. It happens through reading the Bible. It's getting into the Word of God and then getting the Word of God into you. The Bible is important to your spiritual growth, just like water is important for seeds to grow. Whenever I first gave my life to Jesus... You guys heard the story, like something happened. Like I began to pray for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came upon me. And then it was like a night and day switch. Like something was different inside of me. Something was on fire. Something was changed and I knew it and everyone around me knew it. But that's not how I became the person I am today. 
that moment, like that was an awesome moment. It had a lot of energy, had a lot of passion in that moment. But if I would have just left her there, that would have fizzled out and I would not be standing here before you today. So what happened? I had a desire to know God more. I wanted to know God more. I wanted to become more like him. I didn't have the words to say. I wasn't saying stuff like that. But there was just something inside of me that I just wanted something more. And that happened by me getting into the word. And so starting that day, that week, I got into the word. It was just like a chapter a day, like I tell you guys, just getting into it, discovering who is God? What does God want from me? What's the story all about? Who is Jesus? What did he do? Who's this Paul guy? What did he write? What's going on in the Old Testament? What's going on in the New Testament? I didn't do all that in the first week, the first month, or the first year, but it was just, I'm just going to be disciplined in this. If this is true, like I prayed that prayer, God, if this is true, God, if you are real, God, if you have a plan and a calling for my life, then prove it to me. And he did. And so I wanted, like if this was really true, I wanted to go all in as much as I could do. And that happened for me by getting into the Bible. And I had people to walk alongside of me, like, where do I start? What do I do? And it was a lot of the same things I tell you. I could just start in the book of Matthew. Start on the first page of the New Testament and just go chapter by chapter. Just read and read and read. And I, then he gave me a fire Bible, and the fire Bible had, like, little reading plans. Like, I didn't use the reading plan on my app before or then because I didn't have an iPhone or anything then. Like, you guys have it good now. Um, but I had this little thing, uh, and then my Bible, a little checklist that says, okay, today you're going to read verses 1. 1 through 46, and then tomorrow you're going to read 47 through 60. And so like, I would just go, and I'd literally check mark each and every day where I'm going to be for the next day because I wanted to know God more. I wanted to become more like him. And that was not just the end of it, but that became a bedrock for who I was becoming. I was able to understand, okay, I don't want to go back to the old life anymore because who God is and what I'm discovering about him here tells me I don't want to go back to that. And it gave me a foundation. It gave me something to stand on. When the storms of life come, when bad things happen, you have a foundation that you can rely on. We are washed. What he says right there, let me go back to that. He did this, present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or anything like that. Wait, is that where that is? To make her holy, Cleansing her with the washing of water by the word. God is the one that changes us. He is the one that renews us. The worship team wants to go and come back. There's nothing that we can do to earn or deserve it. You guys know that part? There's nothing that we can do to be good enough. God is the one that does it inside of us. And it's not just a one-time event. It's an everyday process. It's that everyday growing process. But we play a part. By getting into the word. It's slow and steady progress. You don't just do it overnight, but it happens every single day. It's the discipline of getting into the word. It's waking up tomorrow saying, I want to know God more. It's waking up Thursday saying, I want to, or tomorrow's Thursday. Waking up Friday saying, I want to know God more. You have to decide for yourself. Jesus sacrificed himself for us. Jesus loves us. Jesus sacrifices himself He saves us. He sanctifies us. He makes us his own. And he will present us to himself as his own people at the end of time. And because of Jesus' love for us, he gave himself up to a bloody and 
um, a humiliating and a painful death for the sake of making us his own people. Easter's coming up soon, or I'm sure we're going to get into that story, but he gave himself up to a gruesome death so that we can be his own people. That's what Paul's talking about in this passage. That's the main point he's trying to get across, is what did Jesus do? He sacrificed himself for us. And because of what Jesus did for us on the cross, we are saved. And now, Paul, he says that he is our Savior. He is the one to whom we find salvation. He is the one to whom we find shelter. And so we experience this salvation, and then we get to enter a relationship with Jesus by putting our faith in him and what he did for us. And so as a result of us putting our faith in Jesus, we are set apart, we are made holy, and we are united with him. And Paul, he brings it in with the marriage part. He's, he says, when a man and woman come together in marriage, the two, they become one flesh. In this mystery that Paul is talking about, it points to the close connection that Jesus has with us. So think about the closest connection that you can have with another person that happens through marriage. And he says the connection that you have with Jesus now, it is even closer than that. Jesus did that to present us with splendor, without spot or wrinkle, but holy and blameless. He says, this is who you're going to be. He says, you are now holy and now you are blameless. And at the end of time, whenever everything is wrapped up, whenever all the darkness is gone, whenever everything is getting wrapped up, I am able to present you as holy and blameless. So right now, think about your past. Think about your mistakes. Think about those things that you did or maybe the things that you thought that you don't want anybody to know about. We all have them. In Jesus, they're gone. Whenever we confess our sins and we repent of those, God, he says that those are gone, that he forgets about them. We, we remember. The devil, he remembers. He brings them up. He says, no, 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 no. You can't go to Jesus. Remember that thing you did. No, 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 you're not going to ever be holy. You're not ever going to be blameless. You're not ever going to be good enough. Remember that thing that you thought? Remember that thing you said to that person? No, not with Jesus. He says, you are chosen. Now you are holy. Now you are blameless. And it's not because of anything that you did. It's not because you earned it. It's not because you deserved it. It's because of what I did for you on the cross. And the question is, are you going to accept that or not? Are you going to put your faith in me or not? Are you going to try to earn your way into heaven? Or are you going to put your faith in knowing that I did it for you? Because if you do that, then you will be holy and you will be blameless. And at the end of time, I'm going to get to take you to my Father and show you off as someone that is holy and blameless without a spot, without a wrinkle, without any kind of blemish, without any kind of mistakes. That is who you are now. So put your faith in Jesus and your trust in Jesus tonight. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you've never given your life to Jesus, and I, I do this every week because I believe that there's someone every week that you're not all the way in. Maybe you've raised your hand before, but maybe you haven't. Maybe you haven't actually taken that step before, but you want to. You want to make Jesus your Lord. You want to make Jesus your Savior. You want to go all in. You don't want to be on the sidelines anymore. You want to go all in. If that's you, you want to get to be in the family of God. You want to be a part of that holy and blameless. If you want to be saved, I want you to raise your hand so we know who we're praying for tonight. No one looking around. I see that on the left. 
Amen. I want you guys to say this after me. Say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins and cleanse me of my unrighteousness. Make me new. Make me to be just like you. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to ask everyone to go ahead and stand up. The worship team, they're going to lead us in another song of worship. And this isn't just a filler time. This isn't just another time that we can kind of like end the message or end the service. This is another time for you to connect with God. After everything that we just said, everything that we just spoke about, let the word sink into your heart. What is God speaking to you tonight? Because I promise that God is speaking. All you got to do is listen. It's not just me speaking. God, he's speaking to your heart in ways that I can't speak. Say, God, what are you speaking to me? God, what do you want me to do tonight? Listen to him. I believe all of us, we're giving our lives to Jesus. There's so much reason for us to be rejoicing of what Jesus did for us. This is not a somber moment. This is not a moment of us to be sad. This is a moment for us to praise and to worship God for what he did. So the only thing I have for you guys tonight is to worship God, to rejoice in who God is and what he's done for us. And then whenever you go home, whenever you leave, whenever you wake up tomorrow, make it a priority to get into the word. This is the only way that you become more like Jesus. This is the only way that you continue down the path. Remember, you're either growing to become more like Jesus or you're not. There's no middle ground. You think you're just cruising, but there's no middle ground. You're becoming more like him or you're becoming less like him. Become more like Jesus. Jesus, we thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for your promise. We thank you for your sacrifice. God, I pray that tonight that you speak to our hearts and you change and transform us. God, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. The altars.